Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And so I invite you, if you would, take your Bible. Let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16 this morning. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 16, and uh, as we uh, get back into our study, before we get in the message and give you the uh, opening thoughts, let me give you real quick uh, just some things we want to be praying for as a church family. Uh, of course, we're continuing uh, to pray for Sylvia Sandvig, and of course, Curtis went home to be with the Lord about three weeks ago. We want to continue to pray for Curtis. I want to pray for Jim Cummings. He's still recuperating at home. I want to pray for him. Pray for Mike Pugh. They're still uh, waiting and supposed to hopefully get some results about surgeries and different things in the next few weeks, and so pray for Mike Pugh. And then also, I want to encourage you, we have a praise uh, that Caitlin had her baby, and uh, she had a little, uh, little boy on Friday, let's see, six pounds, six pounds, one ounce, 19 and a half inches. Is that right, Tracy? And uh, his name is Evren. And uh, so you pray for Caitlin and that little baby. Uh, Caitlin had a little bit of uh, some complications afterwards. They had to do a blood transfusion. And so you pray for her as she heals. And uh, But healthy baby, healthy mom. And that's what we prayed for. And so uh, if you see Troy and Tracy kind of smiling ear to ear today, it's not because the message was super special. Uh, it's, it's because they have a great grandson now, and so you can call him Papa and Nan- Papa Troy. There's like a ring to it. Tracy, we'll still call you Tracy, but we're just going to we're just going to call Troy Papa Troy, and uh, praise the Lord for that. But uh, of course, uh, a prayer request with that as well, and uh, so thankful for that delivery, but praying for her. Well, have you ever heard the statement that if you want to get to know somebody, you just spend time with them? You ever heard that? Oh, man, it's so true, and we all, we all know that to be true, that the fact that the more time you spend with somebody, uh, the more you get to know them. And maybe it was a friend, or perhaps uh, those of you that are married, it was that relationship and building up the relationship, getting to know uh, your fiance or your girlfriend, your boyfriend at the time. I remember getting to know Hannah and, and uh, just understanding that the more time I get to spend with her, man, the more I like her, the more I get to know her, the more I fall in love with her. And the truth is, the more, you, the more time that you spend with somebody, the more you're going to get to know them. Well, last week, we were introduced to the brand new anointed king of Israel. His name is David. And this week, what I love is that the author takes time to help us as the reader. And of course, uh, the author is recording this as historical truths and historical uh, uh, proof of Israel. But I love how from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 12, all the way through chapter, really the end of the book, uh, we are just going to be taking time to get to know David. But specifically chapter 16 and 17, the author just really writes, there's some great stories, some great scenes, some great uh, truths that are laid out before us. But really it's just, I see 1 Samuel 16 and 17 as just us spending time with David, getting to know the new king. And here's why. The reason we're going to get to know the new king is the fact that if you are a Bible reader at all, even just a casual Bible reader, when you read through the gospel, or excuse me, when you read through the Old Testament stories of the nation of Israel, you can't help but look at David and say, wow, that is somebody that God used. 
Would you agree with that statement? Those of you that know the word of God and have spent time in it, maybe you haven't read that yet, let me just tell you, you can go through and read from 1 Samuel chapter 16 all the way through 2 Samuel, even into the New Testament, and you will find a great respect and reverence from all of the Jewish people and even Gentile believers towards David because God used David in a great way. And so today, the reason I think it's important for us to get to know David is because since God used him in such a great way, man, I want God to use me like that. But I think we're gonna see today that there's a few things about David's character, a few things about who David was that helped him be available for God to use him. And so today, as we take a few moments and get to know David, we're really gonna do this for the purpose of understanding why was David used by God? Well, it was because he was a, there were some characteristics that made him available to be used by God. If you've been a part of our study, you'll know that we're coming into the nation of Israel's history. Uh, Samuel, the last of the judges, of course, he was born to Hannah, 1 Samuel chapter number one, the mom who was praying, God bless me with a son. And God not only blessed her with a son, but God blessed her with one of the greatest prophets that Israel would ever see. As a matter of fact, a truth we looked at last week was 1 Samuel chapter three and verse number 19, where it says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Excuse me, we looked at that statement last week. What an incredible statement. That every time he spoke, God used his words to minister to hearts. And I I find that very challenging when I think about Samuel and I think about that testimony. Uh, Man, I I pray that my words would would be used like that. And of course, we admitted last week that they're not all used like that because some of my message, most of my messages can be duds. And uh, you know what? I know. I know that uh, what a great testimony that would be to be said of somebody, that, man, every word they spoke was used by God to minister to hearts. Well, that was Samuel. God would use him in an incredible way in the lives of the people of Israel, really even after the people of Israel had rejected God. If you were here a few weeks ago, we saw them to go to Samuel. They demanded a king. And God had to come to Samuel and comfort Samuel and say, listen, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting my leadership. And even though God had prescribed and predicted and prophesied that the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy, that they would have a king, they got ahead of God. And they said, we demand a king. We want to be like all the other nations. And and God said, okay, uh, you're getting ahead of me. You're not going to like the results of this. But God didn't leave them. And we were reminded in that message, and I don't mean to just recap it, I just think it's good, good to be reminded of these stories, that sometimes we can get ahead of God in our decisions, but God doesn't leave us. God doesn't say, fine, I'm done. God says, okay, I'll still work with you, I'll still walk with you. And God gives us those opportunities. He did that with the nation of Israel. And so he brought into their lives this man by the name of Saul. At the time, Saul, he was the right man for the job. He was humble. He honored God. He followed God. He wanted the spirit of God in his life. And yet we found that in 1 Samuel's really chapter number 11 and 12, all the way into chapter number 13, we find that Saul begins to allow pride to creep into his life. And his pride hinders his relationship, his fellowship with God. And because of that pride, Saul resisted the Lord time and time and time again. And the Lord, he he never even, uh, um, the, the Bible gives us the phrase that he rejected, he rejected Saul. And some would say, oh, well, there's, there's the God of the Old Testament just saying, I want nothing to do with you. But the reason God rejected Saul, the reason God said, okay, all right, I'll let you do that is because Saul time and time again was saying, no, 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 no. And Saul's pride caused Saul to blow it. 
Well, because of that, we saw that God brought onto the scene a, a, someone who would become a new king. And last week when we looked, we discovered that it really wasn't somebody that everybody thought it would have been. When you look at who God was going to select as a new king, most people would think, and saw, or even Samuel, he thought, surely it's Eliab, surely it's this other son of Jesse, uh, because he's tall, because he, has, uh, he looks like he could lead a troop, he looks like a king, he's valiant. And we learned last week that God didn't select Eliab, he didn't select the seven sons, no, it came down to the youngest son of Jesse, David. Someone who, was, who would be unsuspecting, someone who uh, we would not look at and say, oh, he's the king. And the truth we learned last week is the reason God did that is because God sees things, God sees people, and God, see, God sees situations differently than we see them. Right? God, you and I, we might, like, like Samuel, look at situations with disappointment. Samuel, he was disappointed in Saul. He was disappointed in himself. He was disappointed that it seemed, that, that it seemed like all of his investment was worth it. But while Samuel, excuse me, while Samuel saw disappointment, God, man, he saw opportunity. He, he said, hey, listen, I'm going, I'm going to still work. Samuel, he saw fear, right? He was fearful about the next step. God saw provision. God said, I've already provided for you. Samuel, he saw appearance. David walks up and it's kind of like, he's just, he's just a redheaded, simple complexion, not much to look at kid. And God said to Samuel, hey, don't look on the outward appearance for God doesn't look like man looks. Man looks on the outward, but God, he sees the heart. He sees the character. And then we looked last week that Jesse, he, like Samuel, didn't see things the way God does because he just looked at his son and saw the youngest shepherd boy, and yet God saw potential. And I'm thankful today that God doesn't see like we see. I'm thankful to God right now. He's looking down at your life, and sometimes you might look at your life and my life, and we might say, wow, I'm disappointed. Wow, I can't believe this happened. Wow, what's going on? And God looks, and he says, hey, I'm still in control. I can still work. This week, as we come back into our message or come back into our passage, we're going to see this young shepherd boy who's just been anointed king. We're gonna spend a little bit of time with him, with David, just to get to know him and see what is it about David that caused him to be available for God to use him. First Samuel chapter number 16, we're gonna read two verses. We ended with these last week. We'll start with them this week. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 12, it says this, and he sent, this would be Jesse sent word to David and, and brought him, David, in. Now he was ruddy, he was redheaded, and with all of a beautiful countenance, a simple complexion, and he was goodly to look to. There wasn't anything uh, that stood out about him, just good-looking, redheaded kid. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Here we find David being anointed. We're, this is the very first time, very first time we're introduced, and we're actually not even, uh, we're not even given his name until verse number 13. If it would have ended at verse number 12, we wouldn't know who, who the youngest son was. Uh, now, you and I might know it because we've read it before, but they didn't know. They didn't know what was going on, and yet we find God saying, hey, David is the one. Today, we're going to look at David, figure out what it is, again, about him that stands out, that made him available to be used by God. And I I think that if we'll allow God's word to speak to us, we'll leave here saying, God, help the characteristics that were in David be in me. 
Help the characteristics that made David available for use be in me so that I'm available for use this week. Because there's no greater uh, um, purpose in life than knowing that you're being used by God. Man, that should be our purpose every day. And can I tell you this morning before we pray, it's not just pastors and church uh, 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 leaders that are used by God. It's every single believer. God desires to use every single believer. We just have to make sure we have the character that makes us available for God to use. Let's pray, and then we'll get in our message. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to speak to our lives. I pray that this morning as we look into your word, I pray that you'd help us. Father, I just humble my heart before you and ask you that you would speak through me today to your people. Help us, Lord, to leave knowing that we've heard from you. Help us to leave challenged by your word. And God, I pray that today would be a day where we know that we've, uh, we've met with you. I do pray, Lord, if there's someone here or someone watching online that does not know you as their personal savior, I pray that today would be the day that they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you and I were there on the day that David was chosen to be king, we would probably be thinking the same thing that many other people thought. Why David? What is it about this guy? I mean, even, even his dad didn't expect that David would be the one. Remember, Samuel called the whole city to the sacrifice, and yet we find there's someone not there. Who's not there? David. He's unsuspecting. People would look at him and, well, why would he be king? This morning, I want us to discover just that reason. What was it about David? What was it about his character? As you come to 1 Samuel 16 and 17, and really we get into the message, before we jump into the outline and the thoughts today, I want us just to kind of review a little bit of the story. David, he's just been selected as king, but... Did you know from the time that he's been anointed, there's going to be about seven to ten years before he actually sits on the throne? And it could be that maybe in the back of David's mind was like, come on, let's get this show on the road. I mean, I've been anointed, get Saul out, get me in, let's get this going. But we're going to discover that wasn't David's spirit. And can I tell you that sometimes God's timetable doesn't work according to your timetable? It's just a side thought this morning. But sometimes... You and I say, God, we, we know that you, you have this in store. God, we know, we, we believe that you're doing this. God, I prayed this. What is your timetable? What are you doing? And we need to recognize that sometimes God's timetable is not our timetable. And we're gonna see that David, he understands that. He knows that these years, and God would use these years as a time of preparation to prepare David for what took place. Notice, if you will, just some, some of the scenario taking place. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's read verse 14 down through the end of the chapter just to see what took place in 1 Samuel 16. It says this, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Pause right there. That can be a difficult verse. Right? The Spirit of God departed from Saul, and the evil spirit came unto him. Let's just remember very quickly some things about Old Testament versus New Testament. All right, in the Old Testament, we've said this a few times, the Old Testament, people were not filled with the Spirit from the time they, they put their faith in God until the end. The Holy Spirit of God actually came upon people for certain purposes. 
And so a king, you go back to 1 Samuel chapter eight or nine when Saul was selected, Samuel said, hey, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And it was the purpose of leading God's people. So God's spirit would come and and would come and, and anoint somebody and then would go from somebody. But when it says that an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, some people like to read that and say, oh, so God sent an evil spirit. That's not what it's saying, okay? Don't we know that God sometimes allows things to happen? He doesn't make things happen. He allows them to happen. Here's what happened in Saul's life. Saul had rejected God time and time and time again. The Spirit of the Lord still, I mean, if you up until 16, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 13, or, uh, 14, up until that verse, the Spirit of the Lord was still upon Saul. But all those times Saul let his pride lead, all those times Saul uh, made decisions without the Lord, do you know what he was doing? He was saying, no, God, no, God, no, God, no. Until finally, chapter 16, verse number 14, God says, okay, all right. I'm not going to force you to do anything, but since I'm backing up, you need to know, Saul, that that means that you're running the show. And you know what God did? God allowed, God allowed a spirit of contention, a spirit of division. When we read that evil spirit, we need to know it's just God allowed. Not, he wasn't demon-possessed. God allowed him to be overtaken with his emotions. Now he's driven by his flesh. That can happen to any one of us. We can say no, no, no to the point where God says, all right, I'll let your flesh lead, but you're in for a heap of trouble. And so verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departs, evil spirit, the Lord troubles him. And Saul's servant said unto him, behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Man, there's something not right. Uh, Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants, behold, I have seen a a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite that is cunning and playing and, and and a mighty valiant man, a man of war and prudent in matters and in comely person and the Lord is with him. Wherefore, Saul, he sent messengers unto Jesse, and and he said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass, a donkey, laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul as a gift to the king. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Here's what's taking place in chapter number 16. Uh, uh, Saul being overrun by his, by his flesh and by this, uh, what the Bible calls this evil spirit. He's allowing his, uh, his mind to be controlled by himself and driven uh, by those personal desires. And people saw it. You can normally tell when someone's just in the flesh. 
In the home, can't you tell when you're like, man, something's wrong with dad today. I mean, something's wrong with mom. Man, something's wrong with my spouse today. There's, there's just something going on. Man, what is it? Usually it's there's some contention. Only by pride cometh contention, Proverbs 13, 10. So we need to know that this pride, this spirit of, of, uh, uh, of this fleshly living is leading Saul's life. And people could tell. And so they said, hey, we got to get some, someone good with music because music can change your emotions. Music can calm some things down. Let's get somebody who's good at the harp. Now, n- no, this isn't one of the harps like we would think about. David wasn't in the pasture <laughs> playing a big harp. Wasn't doing that. This would actually be uh, what's referred to as a lyre, L-Y-R-E. It would be like a small harp. Uh, it would be the precursor to a guitar, essentially, Micah. That'd be about right. Come on, you music guys are supposed to know, Brian. Uh, but this, this lyre, it would be just a small harp. You can look it up, look what it is. It's just a, little, just a little small thing that David could carry around and he could play. And so they find, one comes and says, hey, there's this kid I see out there. He's, 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 the, he's, the, guy for the, right, he's the right guy for the job. Well, go get him. And so they get him, he comes in, and, and David, chapter 16, just tells us he gets to know Saul by playing the harp and being one to help Saul calm down and change his emotions. And Saul would get worked up, and they, hey, someone go get David, man. He's gotta come in. And to the point where David becomes one of the right-hand men of Saul. Now, the story would continue in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel 17 is probably one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture because it's the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. That's 1 Samuel chapter number 17. What happens with David and Goliath? Well, we can go and you, you've heard it, and I'm going to assume that you know the story because today my, the purpose of the message is not going to be to go through all the details of David and Goliath, but we know from the story that uh, David's brothers, they're going off. The, the, the nation of Israel is at war with the Philistines, and so David is sent by Jesse. Jesse says, hey, why don't you take some food and go see how the war is? And so David uh, saddles up again. He rides out there, and, and lo and behold, when he gets out there, Goliath is confronting the armies again. Goliath would come. He was this giant of the land, maybe nine foot six, 10 feet tall. He was just this big, huge man that would stand and say, who's going to fight me? And, and why don't you just send one person? And if I win, you serve us. And if you win, then we'll serve you. And this Philistine giant is just defying the enemies of God and, and uh, or excuse me, defying the people of God. And he's standing up as an enemy of God, speaking against God. And David comes, right? Remember the story? David comes and he's like, hey, you guys are a bunch of fraidy cats. Don't you know that God's on your side? And David says to them the famous line, hey, is there not a cause? We've got something to fight for. Who is this that he would stand up and defy the armies of the living God? Come on, somebody do something. And they said, no, you're doing this because of your pride. Well, word gets back to Saul that David wants to fight and he comes into Saul. And Saul's like, so you wanna do this? So, yeah, I wanna do it. Well, how, how do you know that you could defeat him? Well, a lion's come after me, and I defeated a lion protecting my sheep, and I defeated a, a bear, and I defeated these wild animals. The Lord helped me do that plenty of times. God will help me now. Saul says, all right, put on my armor. David says, I can't put on your armor. It hasn't been, hasn't been battle tested yet. I haven't done anything. I, I can't do that. And so David just takes his sling, and he picks up five smooth stones. 
and you've probably heard all the messages. It was one for, one for uh, uh, Goliath and then four for his brothers. We don't know all of that. Someone said David could have picked up five smooth stones because he didn't know if he's going to hit him the first time. That could be it. We don't know. But David goes down to the brook in the Valley of Elah, and what's he do? He picks up those smooth stones. Man, I've been to this place. Some of you, if you're going with us this year to Israel in December, uh, you'll stand there. You'll stand in the Valley of Elah. You'll, you'll have an opportunity to pick up a stone. You might even find the stone. You'll have to take it up with Daniel and Micah because they both swear that they found the stone. Uh, Dan actually had it DNA tested and found out that his stone has Goliath's blood on it. Oh, it's family's blood. Uh, it was one of the other ones. Oh, okay. So there's proof. Ah, You know what? We've been there, but you can look, and, and this picture right here is looking from one of the mountaintops right down into that valley. You can see the brook kind of running along. There's a highway there, but the brook kind of runs right along that highway up to that, uh, um, that farm right next to it. You can kind of see that. So you can kind of picture the Philistines on one side, Israel on the other side, and David, he goes to these, this brook. He picks up five smooth stones. He puts one in, and the Goliath says, hey, they're going to send a little dog unto me. Man, they're just going to send a little runt to fight me. What are you guys doing? And he says, hey, I may not be much, but I serve the living God, and today your flesh is going to be the food of the fowls. Man, the birds are going to eat you today. And then I love what the Bible says. David ran toward him. That's pretty cool. David grabs that sling, and if you were VBS last year, I think I acted it out, you know, right there. And David grabs that, and he's running, and he lets that rock go, and one shot, boom, Goliath falls, and God uses this 17, 18-year-old kid to deliver the nation of Israel. God brings a great victory, and it's a great story. A great story of of what God does. But today, again, the purpose of this message is not going to be to battle the detail, to detail the battles of David and Goliath, the battle of David and Goliath. And it's not even going to be to to detail what took place in chapter 16. Today, I want to look, because I think in chapter 16 and 17, we're given, we're, we're given access to understand the character of who David was and why it was that he was used by God. So what are these characteristics that would stand out about David? Why was David called a man after God's own heart? Why did God choose to work in and through David? And why did God use him to defeat a giant? Why did God use him as a king? Why did God use David to bring us many of the Psalms that we read? Why did God use David to bring God glory for generations to come? I think today one of the first character traits I see about David when we get to know him a little bit is we find out that David, he was a surrendered man. David, he was a surrendered man. If you go to our passage, one of the very first things we see that's said about David, it points to his surrender and his humility. David was surrendered to be filled with the Spirit of God. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 13. It says, then, or verse number 14 
No, verse 13. It is 13. Halfway through, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Skip down, if you would, to chapter 16 and verse number 18. It says, One of the servants answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and plain, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. This was noticed by the outside uh, person looking in. Hey, something is different about David's life. Well, what was it? David was surrendered to be filled with the Spirit of God. You know what this means? This means that David was intentionally allowing God to direct his decisions. That's what it means. David was intentionally allowing God to direct his decisions, and people noticed that. You know why? Because when somebody is surrendered to God, when somebody is allowing the Lord to, uh, is intentionally allowing the Lord to direct their decisions, man, they're going to act differently. They're going to talk differently. Why? Because their motive is their relationship with God. They are driven by a love for the Lord, and so they're surrendered to God. David, he was surrendered to be filled with the Spirit of God. He was uh, surrendered to allow God to use him. Another evidence of David's spirit of surrender is how he surrendered to his dad. If you go to 1 Samuel 16, 20, Jesse says, hey, I want you to uh, go to Saul, and David does it. 1 Samuel 17, 20, hey, I want you to go see your brothers. And David rose up early, and he did it. He rose up in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. Man, all of these things just point out that David, he was just surrendered. He was humble. He was willing to follow instruction. Through these two chapters, we find David on a number of occasions surrendering to that leadership of his father. But another evidence of his surrender is how David was willing to be a blessing to Saul, even though he knew that he was the next king. In 1 Samuel 16, David came to Saul and stood before him, and he saw, loved him, David, greatly, and he became his armor bearer. David served Saul even though he knew God was done with Saul. Why would David do that? Humility, surrender. David was a surrendered man. Of course, when you look at the life of David, you will know that that spirit of respect, that spirit of humility for Saul, it continued even until Saul's death. All of these things point out to us that this 17 to 20-year-old young man was simply a surrendered young man. I think this is one of the reasons that God would work through David in so many ways. David was humble. David was surrendered. He was not filled with himself and getting things done the way he wanted it. No, he was humble enough to say, God, I intentionally, I intentionally allow you to direct my decisions. He was surrendered. He was willing to say, God, however you want to work, I'll, I'll follow. Where he leads, I'll follow. David was surrendered for the Lord to control his life. I wonder this morning if the Lord were to dissect your heart, which he can and he does, would he see a spirit of surrender? Somebody who every day intentionally says, okay, God, I surrender. Every day I intentionally make the decision, Lord, you control my decisions. And David, he was surrendered. I wonder how could your marriage change if you had that spirit of humility and surrender? I wonder how could your work life change if you had that spirit of, of surrender? Instead of being the employee that should always be right, what if I'm the employee that's surrendered 
to follow leadership no matter what. We're going to learn more about that tonight in our, in our message tonight out of 1 Peter chapter 2. But David, he had that spirit of surrender. What else do we see about David? I see David not only had that character trait, that spirit of surrender, but David was faithful. David was faithful. Can I just give you a simple thought today? Don't underestimate the power of faithfulness. Don't underestimate the power of faithfulness. David's faithfulness, it really stands out throughout his life. Let me ask you, was David perfect? No. No, David was a sinful man. But do you know why I believe one of the reasons David is titled a man after God's own heart is because David was faithful to come back to the Lord. Psalm 51, David was faithful to repent of sin. I see David's faithfulness in a few ways. First, I see him faithful as a shepherd. And David was faithful as a shepherd. When we first find out about David, he is just the eighth son of Jesse tending to the sheep. And other people would look down upon that, uh, being a shepherd. I mean, a a shepherd wasn't really a a longed-for job. You know, you didn't go to school to, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Oh, I'm really hoping I can be a shepherd. It was kind of one of those family traits that just gave, just came along. Well, hey, you're the youngest, right? It was probably the eldest. And then as you keep having more sons, you know who gets to be the shepherd? Whoever's at the bottom. That's David. David's here as just this young son and and, uh, the youngest of the eight. And under the standards of society, he was the shepherd and it was a low thing. Even even David's brothers looked down on him. David's brothers, 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David comes to just visit his brothers and then he's there saying, hey, who's gonna stand up to Goliath? And one of his uh, brothers says this, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Hey, we we know the pride of your heart. David, what are you doing, man? Go back to the sheep field. David, just go back to the pack. Go back to the, hey, who'd you leave those couple of sheep with? That's not a lot of responsibility. The wording is, the wording is interesting there. With whom did you leave those few sheep? Hey, you're just a, you're just a, little, you're just a little shepherd. You got an itty-bitty job, just a few little sheep look, to look after. That's how society viewed it, but we find David, he's faithful as a shepherd. Can I tell you, David being faithful as a shepherd was not a trivial fact. As a matter of fact, God would use him being a shepherd to prepare his heart to be a faithful leader to Israel. Asaph actually wrote this in Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. Notice what he says. He chose, God chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people. And Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. You know what Asaph is doing? He's saying, hey, God used David's faithfulness as a shepherd to prepare him to lead God's people. What David learned during his years as a faithful shepherd helped him 
to feed and help and guide and lead the people of God. Don't underestimate your faithfulness. David, he was faithful as a shepherd. He was faithful to his father. We already saw that he was surrendered to his father. But I just want you to understand that part of surrender is just being available, being faithful. Time and time again, Jesse called David, and time and time again, David was there, surrendered to him and faithful to him. I see David as a faithful young man, faithful as a shepherd, faithful to his father, faithful to serve the king. Again, that surrender is evidenced by his faithfulness to be at Saul's side. I would take this and extend it even for the years to come. Uh, David, even after Saul tried to kill him, David served the king faithfully. Why? Because in his character was built this attribute of faithfulness. Verse 17, chapter 17, verse 15, David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This would tell us that from 16 all the way to 17, David was faithfully serving Saul. Really, when you read through his story, David was just a faithful man. What was he doing? David was faithfully using what God had given him, and he was faithfully serving where God had placed him. Can I tell you this morning just a very simple quote? The greatest indication of your personal future for the Lord is your present faithfulness to the Lord. I like that. The greatest indication, where am I going to be in five years? How is your faithfulness now? How is your consistency now? David, he had this spirit of faithfulness. And I love the fact that David, he was faithful even in things that he didn't know the end result. Think about being a shepherd. Was there promise of moving up? Could he be, like, become the head shepherd? And no, he already was of his family's sheep. There was no promise of notoriety. And yet we find David faithful. You know, David's out there doing, out with the sheep. He's faithfully worshiping God writing psalms that would be sung in church, but he didn't know that. He was faithful to worship the Lord. Why? He just loved the Lord. Man, he just wanted to be faithful. David was faithful at a time when he wasn't leading a military for the uh, accolades. David wasn't leading a nation of notoriety. David wasn't writing songs that would be sung next Sunday. He wasn't standing and leading people. No, David was there in the pasture using his mind to keep the sheep, his talent to comfort the sheep, and his body to protect the sheep. And then he would go on to use all of those things to be a blessing to his dad, to be a blessing to the king. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? David, he was just a faithful man. I wonder, how's your faithfulness? You say, you know, I wish God would use me. Maybe the reason God doesn't use you and I like we like is because there's not consistency in our faithfulness. Oh, we're faithful this month, but what about next month? I was faithful last year, but what about this year? David, he was surrendered. That's why God used him. David was faithful. That's why God used him. I see another reason why God used him because David was jealous. Say, pastor, don't you know it's, not in, the, it's in the Bible not to be jealous? All right, let's define it. David, he was jealous for the Lord. He was jealous. He had zeal for the right reasons. Now, <clears throat> I don't have a, a long time to develop all of this, but let me just explain it this morning, that David, he was jealous and he was offended 
for the namesake of God. Notice what takes place in just a few verses that we'll read. 1 Samuel 17, 22 through 26. And David, he left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up, of the, came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David, notice what he does. He doesn't say, oh, that's a really cool reward. Notice what David says. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Hey, wait, what'd you say is gonna happen? I don't really care about that. Who's gonna stand up for the name of God? Hey, who's gonna stand up to the Philistine that he, the one who's defying the armies of the living God? Hey, listen, he is standing up against God. David was offended for God. It continues, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28 through 30. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him after the former manner. You know what? David, he's saying, hey, is there not a cause? What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I'm standing up for the Lord. There is something to stand up for. And David, he was not afraid to stand up for God. David was jealous for the Lord. Hey, somebody needs to stand up and say something because my God is being attacked. And I tell you this morning that jealousy for the Lord and jealousy for the name of God is still a great characteristic to have. David was not afraid to stand up and defend the name of the Lord. I wonder this morning, where are the Christians in Moses Lake in 2020 who are jealous for the Lord and for the name of the Lord? This doesn't mean that we go around with a rudeness and an arrogance that says, I'm right, God is right, you are wrong, and you're an idiot. Because that's how a lot of us like to deal with people that we disagree with. Remember, I told you I'm opinionated. Myself included, man, I just want to look at somebody and be like, I ain't got time for you. Like, we're done here. But that's not being jealous for the name of the Lord. That's being jealous for my opinion. Jealousy for the name of the Lord is the coworker when, when you're at work and they're talking about against God. No, I don't believe that. Man, I saw a news episode. I saw a news thing and these Christians, they're just a, standing up for the name of the Lord is not saying, well, no, you are. No, standing up for the name of the Lord is saying, hey, I'm one of those Christians. Let's talk about that. And with grace and truth, being able to present your case. And David, he was jealous for the name. He was jealous for the name of the Lord. I see that he was surrendered. He was faithful. He was jealous. We need to hurry. David was also confident. And David was confident. I see this morning that never once in this amazing passage of scripture was David proclaiming confidence in himself. No, David, he was trusting God. 
David was saying, hey, someone needs to stand up and defend the name of the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37, before David goes to meet Goliath, it says, David said unto Saul, thy servant hath uh, kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him. And delivered it, the sheep, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant uh, slew both the lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, notice this, shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, he said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, Hey, he also will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Hey, listen, you know what David does? He recounts for Saul the victories that God had given him as a shepherd. But you know what he says? Hey, I was able to do, I was able to kill a lion. I was able to kill a bear. But you know why? Because God delivered me. Later, when David's standing against the Philistine, it says, and the Philistine came on and drew near. Near unto David and the man that bare his Bear the shield went before him, and uh, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ready and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. Hey, you've got all the weaponry. But I come to you against, with the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and will give thine head from thee, and will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And what is David doing this whole time? David is portraying confidence in the Lord. Hey, God is powerful. Hey, God is in control. It would go on that David, it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army, or ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. You know what? David's confidence was also seen in his action. It wasn't just seen in his words. No, David's confidence, his trust, was seen in this courage to run toward, toward Goliath. Listen, David's confidence in the Lord, it, direct, it dictated his direction for the Lord. David, listen, David knew that God was in control, and so he kept moving forward for, hey, God, what do you want for me now? And he was, I, I can trust you. God's in control of this. God has this battle. God's not going to save by a sword, but he's going to save by his own power. Man, David, he was confident that God was in control and that God was worthy to stand up for. David's confidence in the Lord, again, it dictated his direction for the Lord. He knew that God was in control, and he was willing to trust God and move forward any way the Lord desired. Can I tell you this morning, God still uses those who have a trust, a confidence in him. Believers who trust that he is able. Believers who trust that he is in control. Believers who trust that God still can. God still can. I want you to say that with me. Ready? God still can. Man, God still can. God still can work. 
God still can help you be a witness. God still can reach that person that you've been praying for. God still can bring that person back. God still has control over your job and your finances, and and God can still work in your marriage. Listen, God still can. But where are the Christians to say this week, I believe that God still can? Man, confident. David wrote about this confidence in Psalm chapter 118, verse 8 and 9, when he said, it's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Man, David said, hey, we have a God who is worth trusting in. What stands out to us about David today, it's his surrender. It's his faithfulness. Man, today we see uh, David's jealousy for the Lord standing out, his confidence in the Lord. But lastly and very quickly today, I see that David had, he was intentional. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by intentional? David was intentional in making sure that all the glory went to God. He was intentional in pointing to the Lord. After the victory, after everything that took place, we don't find much said from David after everything's done and, done and gone. But here's what you find David saying leading up to it. 1 Samuel 17, verse 46. Hey, here's why I'm gonna do this. That all the earth may know that there is a Jehovah God in Israel. That all the earth may know that there is a Jehovah God in Israel. David knew that the victory was brought by the Lord. He trusted God for it. And then he glorified God in it. You look at all the places in Scripture where David wrote a psalm. You know what many of those psalms contain? Many of those psalms contain just glory and praise to the Lord. Glory and praise to the Lord. This is also another look at David's humility. He was never saying, he was never saying, well, I, uh, I get the credit for this one. David was never saying, well, look at what I did. He was saying, hey, look what God did. I love this psalm in Psalm 57, verse 7 through 11. Notice what David says. He says, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing Unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy, thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. You know, David's spirit was? David's spirit was, praise him from whom all blessings flow. Praise, it was, it was all praise to God. Man, that's the psalm. Praise him, all creatures here below. Man, just praise him. Why? Man, all glory is due unto his name. May we have the heart of David that says, I'm intentional in pointing to him. Why David? I mean, look, here's this little ruddy kid. This little simple complexion, he's just a soft complexion. He's just a good-looking 17 red-headed kid. Why why would God use him? I believe today we spend some time with David, we get to know some things about his character. And after you get to know some things about his character, it's not hard to believe why David. Why David? He was surrendered. God, I intentionally allow you 
to direct my decisions. Why David? He was faithful. I know they're just sheep, but I know God's doing something. I know it's just my dad, but I'll be faithful. I know, it, I know I'll be king, but I'll be faithful to the king right now. Why David? And I'm not going to let people speak against my God. I'm jealous for the Lord. Why David? I've got confidence. God can do it. God is in control. God still can. Why David? God, I'll be intentional. I'll praise you. Regardless of the outcome, I'll praise you. Can I tell you this morning, if you look up in Scripture, the many people God used you will find many of the same characteristics. And this week, God wants to use you. I tell you, this week, God wants to use you with your neighbors. This week, God wants to use you with your friends and your coworkers. I wasn't gonna say anything about it today, but I want you to know that God is still looking for people to use. And we have a time right now in our country. The answer is not in politics. We have always said that. I'm very involved in politics. I, I, I am. I have relationships with all of our elected officials, many of our city council, uh, our, our congressmen, our, our uh, other congressmen from other states nationally, our sheriff. We've got re- great relationships. But I even tell them, I love you and I'm praying for you, but you're not the answer. <laughs> congressman, you're not the answer. Sheriff, you're not the answer. And I tell them that. God is the answer. But can I tell you what this world needs? This world needs some Christians who will say, I can be used. Well, what about all the riots? This world needs some Christians that will say, I'll be different. What about the unrest? I'll be different. What about the injustices? I'll be different. What about the racism? I'll be different. What about? I'll be different. Why? Because I'm a child of God. It's not for a political point of view. It's not so that you'll vote my party. It's not so that you'll get person in office that I want in office. It's not so, no. All of it is because my God is good and I want to be used. I'm going to point to him. So this week, will you be that person? This week, will you let God use you in your home? Be surrendered. Be faithful. Be jealous for the Lord. Hey, Be intentional to praise him. Be confident in him. I believe God wants to use us. I believe that some of these characteristics are what God is looking for in order to use us. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.